0: Over the past several weeks, I've really been thinking about the future on various topics. First, it was the future of our democracy. Then it was the future as described by a futurist that Reverend Carl offered. And that really touched my love of science fiction and fantasy as well. And then today, I've really been thinking about the future of our tradition. The surest way to think about the future and how it may change is to reflect on the past and how it may already have changed. Since September, I've been taking a history and polity class while working here as well and marveling at the progression of our faith over time. And as our music opened with today, imagine all of us thriving, sharing, loving, all of us. Over the summer, I've been reading Reverend Dr. Frederick Muir's Turning Point, Essays on the New Unitarian Universalism. And this book has many essays from a whole bunch of ministers, friends, leaders, colleagues. And it was written in 2016, so it's been around for a minute. They identified both some vulnerabilities and some promises in our tradition, and helping that come to realize and manifesting spirituality in organizations. Some of them are congregations, and some were not. Both the vulnerabilities and the promises combine in this moment. They usually connect. And at some point, there's a resonance. And whenever we have that resonance, we're at a turning point. Lots of history, including our own, shows long periods of relative stability. And then there's points where lots of change is possible. Warren Ross in The Premise and the Promise honored that at 40 years we're moving past consolidation into becoming something new. For about 30 years, we've had the same principles, sorta. As you can see between the Order of Service and the images, there are, shall you say, interpretations, right? And with the merger of the Unitarians and the Universalists in 1961, there was a lot of discussion about the principles and sources as they came together. And honestly, the consolidation almost didn't happen because of one word. Changing one word brought us there. So this has been something very near and dear to our heart, central to who we are, and something that does change. It changed in the 1980s, removing some of the gendered language, and it changed again in the 1990s, welcoming our Earth-centered spirituality. For many of us, these representations may be the only principles that we've ever known. My family has said the, uh, my seven principles for our grace for about 10 years now. Mark Morrison-Reed Reed, Morrison, reminds us that we do not stand above the social attitudes of our time as we're prone to believe. As both as a faith tradition and a society, right now we're at an inflection point. In 2013, the, in a UUA World article, Reverend Dr. Muir called for the end of the I church, that our value on individualism at the expense of community, and it's often cited as Unitarian Universalism could be the religion of the future, yet we remain small. The same year, the Eighth Principle sought to bring our principles into alignment for our work toward the beloved community closing the gap that people could believe that anti-racism and anti-oppressive work isn't part of the Unitarian Universalist principles. And while this congregation was an early adopter, change has been a long time coming, and it grew extensively in parallel with the Black Lives Matter movement and the summer of resistance through the COVID pandemic. Addressing the content of the eighth principle was one of the charges to the Article II Commission. Recently, the second draft of our Reimagined Principles and Sources has posted on the UUA website, and there was a draft circulated at General Assembly. There were Zoom feedback sessions, and tomorrow, Monday the 28th, is the last day for individual feedback. It's a Google form, and it's super easy to use. We'll spend some time with them today, and if you love it, please tell them. And if you hate it, please tell them. And if you think it could go from good to great, Please tell them. As I was reviewing them, I really found myself thinking of the paragraph at the opening of the original Humanist Manifesto. It's a little bit of a long quote. The individuals whose signatures appear would, had they been writing individual statements, have stated their position, propositions in differing terms. The importance of this document is that more than 30 men have come to a general agreement on matters of final concern and that these men are undoubtedly representative of a large number who are forging a new philosophy out of the materials of the modern world. Raymond B. Bragg, 1933. Your input at this time is how we work toward consensus described in the above in that historic gathering. Your input is also how we avoid some of the pitfalls embedded in that statement of thinking that the thoughts of a small group of educated men are Undoubtedly representative. Like our principles and sources, each revision of the Humanist Manifesto has been more and more inclusive. And this is no different for us. Your voice matters. The next round will be at General Assembly and the major seeking a majority of vote, and then in, two, in a three quarters vote for FY 2024. Look around, look around. This resonates with my very first project here at UUCF. There was a small group and we imagined what a new manifestation of unitary universalism might look like. We talked about our personal values, our communal values, what we would want in a community and what we would want them to do to support us. All of us looking for something different. All of us bringing different lived experience and all of us grounded in love. So how did we get to this turning point? Let me explain. No, there's too much. Let me sum up. And I hear there's some other Princess Bride fans here. <laughs> Participation in formal religious community has been on the decline since the 1950s. As people seek meaning and identity in many places, and with way more options than previous generations, it fits the very different lives we lead. and those that are coming after will lead as well. Unitarian Universalism initially grew as these seekers found us, stabilized, and then nationally, while this congregation has continued to grow, but nationally, we have been declining. And people asked why. They found and sought some answers, and now we're at a turning point. We're lucky to have noticed it and to have the opportunity to make the life-giving choice. Part of that turning point is realizing that something that once served us really, really well no longer does in the same way. Reverend Dr. Muir and his essayists lift up that our history and our tradition of individualism, exceptionalism, and anti-authoritarianism is no longer serving Unitarian Universalism as it's trying to grow into a beloved community. There is some wonderful history about where all those traits really served us very well. And I'm happy to talk about them individually. But generally, instead of resisting Calvinist predestination, fire and brimstone preaching, we're really part of a community that is desperate for connection and love and community. We have lived through modernism, typified by the onward and upward forever. And we're living in a postmodern world where things are complicated, and we know that, and we honor that living toward an interdependent, beloved community that supports us growing into our best selves. And there have been many twists and turns bringing us here. One example is the journey towards pluralism for both Unitarian and Universalists, which both started off as Christian sex, (laughs) S-E-C-T-S. (laughs) Many reviews and texts have highlighted that our principles and sources now need to change both to capture who we have already become and started to see ourselves as and who we want to be, including our eighth principle and how to live into the promise of widening our circle of concern. We have a powerful answer for this postmodern world, a world desperate in need of community and connection and true universalism, a unity of all life, and loving the hell out of this world. It can only manifest when we fully live into the beloved community. And in this cycle of examining our faith, the call is to make our life-saving faith accessible and welcoming to all. The Commission for the Article II Commission is calling us to grow into that promise. And, that, and Dr. Muir lift, and the other essayists lifted up our, our promi- potentials of generosity, pluralism, and imagination. So as you look at the proposed principles and sources, I'm just going to go over the image here. The whole document's about three pages. I invite you to read them as the Article II Study Commission invites us to read them. Feel free to do it for the whole document at home. First, look and just observe how it makes you feel. Then, look again and observe what it makes you think. Then, look at it a third time and see if there's any recommendations. And if so inspired, I also invite you to offer if this would be a deal breaker type of suggestion or a good to great suggestion. Inviting that spirit of collaboration that was highlighted in the opening of the Humanist Manifesto earlier. In our small group of members in this community, we agreed that our single core value, if we had to get to just one, the one we could agree on was love. And in the draft, love is in the center. Our tradition's gifts, our generosity and pluralism, are clearly surrounding that center And the opposing perspectives of our vulnerabilities and interdependence, valuing our interdependence over that individualism, equity over exceptionalism, and our justice embraces our anti-racism and anti-oppression work. Evolution holds that we can all change, and it also holds our connections to science and the earth. The anti-authoritarianism of our past is growing into a powerful shared ministries, and imagination powers it all. Our ability to change at all levels in this religious community and tradition, and there are many ways these values show up in our community. I think that's part of why UUCF continues to grow in depth, community, connection, and engagement. And in the center, love. Love is the enduring force that holds us together. Look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive. UUCF is definitely a community living these values. And part of what I really love about these guiding principles in our tradition overall is there are so many ways to embody it. The change in the Article II Commission reimagining our principles and sources is part of our religious organization. And UUCF also deeply honors and seeks to support our growth in our own spiritual journeys. It's really powerful that this community strives to be both religious and spiritual. Now, I'm going to pause for a second and note that the term soul may not resonate with everyone and invite you to reframe it in a way that would have the most meaning for you. Spirit of life, connection, animating force, our true selves, our deepest wholeness, whatever that would have the best meaning for you as I move forward. In my next section, I chose to remain true to the words of the author. I really appreciate appreciate the spiritual reflections from the Sacred Design Lab. They're associated with the Harvard Divinity School, and they have a great many publications, and one that I will discuss today is called Care of Souls. In their exploration, of this community and spirituality changes, the author identifies specific roles or jobs that could be done in spiritual community. Whether it's a religious gathering or a secular community, these are all part of building that beloved community. And as I look around here, I see seers and healers, stewards, elders, venturers, makers, gatherers, people who are exploring their gifts and growing in connection, and it is such an honor to be here with this community, to work with this community. As we consider these, some of us may resonate with one, more than one. I could dive into each of these descriptions, but I'll limit myself to three today. First, the seer. The seer helps us perceive and approach the sacred, remembering that sacred can mean just to set apart or entitled to reverence or respect. They give us language to make sense of our lives and pass on the teaching of our ancestors. They help us understand the sacred or the divine around and within us. Second, the healer. The healer breaks the cycles of violence. They teach the tools of resilience, courage, and pleasure for individuals and communities. They change culture by making meaning and making the means and of our work the ends, naming how we show up healed and whole for the world, helping us move through our pain and trauma, overwork, and creating safe space for communal justice. Doesn't that sound like something the world needs now? Yeah. Third is the elder, who is an orienter. I included both pictures because elder actually doesn't have anything to do with chronological age. Um, They help us on our path and stay on it. The elder calls forth our gifts and grounds our gifts in history and community. They provide both perspectives when we think of the problems as new. The elder is a keeper of wisdom, connecting us to our lineage, our tradition, guiding, blessing, recognizing, and promoting those who would follow. Look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. I think it's important to note that all of those roles can be done in religious community or in a yoga studio or in an art community. They can be wherever people are caring for each other's spirit of life and adding deep meaning to that connection. This interpretation is open to many who may identify as spiritual but not religious. My community minister colleagues do a lot of really powerful work in these spaces. But here at UUCF, I see our deep engagement in this powerful spiritual work and our deep engagement in religious community and working for that lasting culture change over the long term, Combating climate change, fighting for our democracy, dismantling racism, and widening our circle of concern. None of these things will happen overnight. And yet, even in only the 18 months that I've been here, I'm watching them happen in this spiritual and religious community. And in our community, we accompany each other on our spiritual journeys. Learning, healing, freeing ourselves of old hurts, and finding deeper truths that sustain us. As resonates with that mastery level of that care of souls, may we find and live wholeheartedly, learn hard lessons, and intentionally raise up those who would follow. May we find ourselves talking less and listening more. May we learn from others who came before and those who come after. I know, a little ironic to say talk less as I'm talking for 20 minutes, right? (laughs) In our community, wisdom is a gift. All of our lived experience and prophetic words and deeds and life itself, we freely welcome wisdom, and we also freely give it away. The sacred work takes courage, perseverance, and trust. It takes listening to our hearts and reawakening and rewriting our stories. Look around, right here, We are lucky to be alive right now. Please rise, embody your spirit, and sing HEM 1017, Building a New Way.